no surprise that newsmakers try to manipulate the audience. They want you to believe that they are the one holding the line and they'll use any trick they can to get you there. But don't let them fool you. Get unspun. I'm Amanda Sturgill. I've been a reporter, and today I teach future reporters to cut the spin and think critically about what newsmakers say. My podcast, Unspun, shows you how to know when you're being manipulated by the news. Learn to spot the tricks and how to make up your own mind about what's true. So if you're tired of being fooled by the news, subscribe to Unspun today. Unspun, because you deserve the truth. Hi, I'm Harry Littman, host of Talking Feds, a roundtable that brings together prominent figures from government law and journalism for a dynamic discussion of the most important topics of the day. Each Monday, I'm joined by a slate of Fed's favorites and new voices to break down the headlines and give the insider's view of what's going on in Washington and beyond, plus sidebars explaining important legal concepts read by your favorite celebrities. Find Talking Feds wherever you get your podcasts. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I didn't have not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to Mueller, She Wrote. And this is our special coverage of the Mueller Report as we do page-by-page analysis and bring it to you contextually with swears. Uh, The first nine episodes can be found on our main feed, and they're all about Russian contacts with the Trump campaign. This week, uh, the day after Mueller's public testimony, actually, to the House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees, we are starting volume two of the report, and this volume is on obstruction of justice. So today we're going to cover the first 14 pages of volume two, which includes the introduction, the executive summary, and section one, the background legal and evidentiary principles, uh, which is comprised of the legal framework for obstruction of justice, where we break down what, you know, what makes obstruction of justice, obstruction of justice, and the investigative and evidentiary considerations. So there's a lot of technical stuff in this. Um, I'm going to break it down for you in like layman's terms so that it's easy to understand. Um, That's what we're here for. So how are you guys doing with me today? As always, are Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Hello. Doing good. Yeah. What's up? Yeah. Yes. It's getting hotter. It is. In the world. In the world. Everywhere. Totally. Yeah, temperature wise. It's getting also politically. Yeah, it's getting politically (laughs) lit. Yeah. (laughs) I was trying to make a stupid pun there, but it didn't quite work. Politics. Yeah, global warming, you know? (laughs) Hoax hoax weather. Oh, yeah. It's all a big hoax. Yes, Um, yes. But yet we're sweating. Mm -hmm. So that's how that's going. Uh, And. The House Intelligence Committee testimony yesterday was mostly about the Russian contact stuff, which is what we covered in parts one through nine. But it was the first three hours with the House Judiciary Committee that focused more on what's in volume two, which we're starting today. And that's the obstruction 
uh, of justice aspects of the investigation. So assuming you've already reviewed the table of contents uh, and read the syllabus, read the class syllabus, uh, let's get started on page one of volume two of the Mueller report. Let's do it. Uh, so the opening statement, Mueller tells us the reason he's writing his report and that's because of the rule that states he must write a report. And it actually says he has to provide a confidential report explaining the prosecution and declination decisions that he reached during his investigation. And we were all kind of wondering when the report came out or before it came out how he was going to do that. Because all he really had to do, it could have been a 20-page report, and he could have just listed who he prosecuted and who he did not. And he didn't even have to go into why or tell the full story. So we actually got a really, really good, robust report from him. Um, more than what I thought we were going to get. So uh, here we are going, and it's going to take us 20 episodes to get through it, but it, it is important. And if you haven't read it, you guys have read it. So never mind, you're not the target market. <laughs> um, Mueller says that at the beginning of 2017, Trump took actions towards the ongoing FBI investigation into Russian interference that raised questions as to whether he obstructed justice and that Mueller had jurisdiction to investigate obstruction and he had jurisdiction to investigate whether Trump obstructed the Mueller investigation itself. So not just the obstruction of the FBI crossfire hurricane investigation, but, um, and he breaks this into two parts, and we'll get into that later, but also obstruction of his own, of Mueller's investigation. So he, he had the jurisdiction to do both of those things, and that was spelled out in, in those public kind of memorandums that said what, you know, what jurisdiction... Uh, Mueller has, and it's also spelled out in the rules of the special counsel and several other places. So there shouldn't be any question as to whether or not he can look into this. So volume two summarizes those obstruction investigations. So again, this is a summary. This isn't all of the obstructions of justice, which uh, we call the kafefe of obstructions. <laughs> That's, That's right. Collective the plural, yeah. yeah. For obstructions of justice. Uh, and in this introduction, Mueller first describes the considerations that guided his investigation and then provides an overview of the volume. So we have four considerations here. First, uh, this is where Mueller says he determined not to make a traditional prosecu prosecutorial judgment in the case of obstruction. And there's a lot of controversy about this, right? And he based this decision on a longstanding Department of Justice Office of Legal Counsel finding or opinion that uh, the indictment or criminal prosecution of a sitting president would, uh, it would undermine the capacity of the executive branch and the government or, or the president to perform its constitutionally assigned functions in violation of the constitutional separation of powers. So Mueller accepted, um, accepted that and agreed uh, with its findings apart from constitutionality. So I don't know if he necessarily, he, 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 he's basically saying, I can't tell you whether or not I agree with this memo or this, you know, this policy, this uh, Office of Legal Counsel policy, but I followed it. And that's what he said. And that's why we didn't get an indictment out of him mm -hmm. for the president. Mm -hmm. um, second, and this is probably even the more controversial part, he says, even though he can't indict a president, um, the OLC memo says an investigation is permissible. And a lot of Republicans asked about that. Why'd you bother investigating like the guy from Wisconsin? If you knew you couldn't indict him, why'd you bother investigating? This answers that question. And it notes that the president does not have immunity after he leaves office as well. Um, this is Republican Ken Buck uh, asked Mueller if Trump could be indicted when he leaves office. And Trump uh, and, and Mueller, uh, said. Mueller says, yes, mm -hmm. yeah, you sure can. So Trump, and then he clarified, so the president of the United States can be indicted for obstruction of justice after he leaves office. Yep, that's correct. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. Yeah, we were all like, whoa, that means he's guilty. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty great. 
Um, Trump All was, things considered. All things considered. And uh, Trump was asked about this uh, after the hearings, and he called it fake news and said that Mueller had corrected that statement. But he did not. He was conflating that with another correction made about um, that he made about the president obstructing justice. And he wanted to clarify the president did all the things that he outlined, but that he would not make a determination per the OLC memo. That's what Mueller was saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the correction that that he made uh, in during the hearings. Something about with Ted Lou's line of questioning, not what Ken Buck said. Yeah, I interpreted it as Lou said. So the reason you did not indict him was because of the OLC memo, and he said yes, which he probably immediately was like, "Oh fuck that that." Or we had this discussion. Maybe it was like a Freudian slip, right? Right. But, but something that made him come back around and say, "I was not trying to say that he definitively would have been indicted had he not been a sitting president." <laughs> right. But, but he, it does seem like that's what is the case. Because he's basically saying, "Oh yeah, the only reason I didn't indict him was because of the memo." And then mm-hmm. you know, Bill Barr picked up the phone and called somebody and said, and, uh, and that's objection. why yeah, <laughs> objection from over here. And that's why <laughs> Mueller was like, "Okay, I didn't reach that decision." Mm-hmm. That's what I should have said. Yeah. Right. right. Um, but yeah, indicating you can indict him after he leaves office uh, presumes he's a criminal. Um, so that he did, he hasn't redacted that statement yet. I thought he would correct it or amend it, but he has not, and that's interesting. Uh, Mueller says with regard, I, w- I just love, I would love it if Bill Barr was like, "You got to change your statement." He's like, "No, I'm not gonna eat shit." Yeah, That'd that would be, be cool. interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying that that happened. I'm just dreaming. <laughs> Uh, Mueller says with regard to the OLC permitting an investigation despite the inability to indict Trump that he uh, conducted an investigation in order to preserve the evidence when memories were fresh and documentary materials were were available. So we've said that on multiple Mm -hmm. occasions. And and that is one of the reasons that the OLC memo allows you to continue to investigate, even if you're not going to indict somebody. Mm -hmm. And then third, Mueller considered whether whether to even call what Trump did obstruction of justice. And this is another thing that people are like, that Democrats are mad about. Like, why didn't you just say you could accuse him of of obstructing justice without indicting him for it? Why didn't you just at least say it? And uh, Mueller determined that because of fairness concerns, he did not want to reach that that judgment when no charges could be brought because he couldn't bring charges. Uh, he didn't want to accuse him of it. And this isn't in the memo. This is this is just Mueller. Mueller. Yeah. Um, but he's saying that since he can't indict, he didn't want to say Trump committed obstruction of justice because the ordinary means for an individual to respond to an accusation like that is through a speedy public trial where witnesses can be cross-examined and the invi- and the individual can defend themselves. Oh, he knows that his testimony would be used as evidence against Trump, and he thinks that would be unfair for his personal opinion? N- no, or? because there won't be a trial. He can't indict him, so there won't be a trial. So he can't accuse him publicly because it's mm-hmm. unfair because he has no way to defend himself mm-hmm. through law. Right, but even later, he knows people are going to want to try to you know, get him after he's out of office. So I wonder why he wouldn't just say it now. Like, it seems like he's just afraid of that being used no. against Trump down the line. Yeah, no, no. It's it's specifically because Trump. it would be unfair to Trump if he accused him of that because Trump wouldn't be able to face his accuser and have cross-examinations and have a jury of his peer. you know. Until way later. To have due process. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. and Or maybe yeah. not later, though, right? If right, the statute of limitations rolls out and it passes, then he can't do that at all. Yep. So he wasn't even going to do it. Um, <clears throat> and that was his reason. And again, that's not in the OLC memo. That is just what Mueller decided to do. He said it's not. He bent over backwards to be fair to Trump. Right. That's what it seems like. Because he could have come out and said, oh, he committed obstruction of justice. Yeah, I know I would. 
Um, but he's Mueller. But he really, honestly, so conservative. He felt that because the man doesn't have the means to defend himself through due process of a, of a trial, because he can't be indicted, it would not be fair. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I don't get that, but sure. What I mean, that's nice. But I, you know, but at least if Trump is prosecuted after he gets out of office, he can't come back and say that he was treated unfairly. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, Mueller would basically be triggering, pulling the trigger on a constitutional crisis right there if he came out and said anything definitively. Yeah. Totally. While citing the OLC opinion. It's like, well, here's this information, but here's also this information that says I can't indict him even if I wanted to. So good luck with that. And then <laughs> right. walks away. He's I not going to do that. Honestly, no. I yeah, that, that's that's the only thing that I feel like I would do differently if I... But it could, his position. <laughs> it could jeopardize actual prosecution after Trump gets out, like mm-hmm. you were talking about, that could make that... It could make that an appealable case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to fuck with that. Right. So you want to be able to prosecute Trump once he's out of office. Uh, so that kind of holds that case together for him a little bit. But he didn't say that in here. Um, I don't know if he was thinking it or not. And we'll never know because he didn't answer the question. Um, but he goes on to say the fairness issue would be heightened in this case because it, he's a sitting president where accusations of crimes, even in sealed, even in a sealed report, could carry consequences that extend beyond the realm of criminal justice. So it's just totally unfair, bro. <laughs> um, the Office of Legal Counsel also noted similar concerns about sealed indictments. Uh, even if an indictment were sealed during the president's term, it would be very difficult to preserve secrecy, and if it became public, the stigma could imperil the president's ability to govern. Now, whether you agree with that constitutionality or not, uh, it's a rule, and Mueller followed it. Yeah, makes sense. And finally, fourth, and here's the bombshell. If we had confidence after a thorough investigation of the facts that the president clearly did not commit obstruction of justice, we would so state. But based on the facts and the applicable legal standards, however, we are unable to reach that judgment. The evidence we obtained about the president's actions and intent presents difficult issues that prevent us from conclusively determining that no criminal conduct occurred. (laughs) Basically, he he, he broke the law so hard (laughs) <laughs> it makes it difficult for us to say he's innocent. <laughs> yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. And accordingly, while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him. And this paragraph on page two, volume two, will be printed, I think, in history books for generations. And it will be the focus of special counsel's testimony to the House Judiciary, or it was. It, w- it was a big focus of that because a lot of Republicans were like, it's not your job to exonerate. And, mm-hmm. and he's like, I didn't. And he's like, yeah, but you can't even say that you didn't. <laughs> he's like, but I can't indict. But then you wanted me to say, then you said I was, you know, I yeah, shirked bad my responsibility for, yeah. for not saying that he, to, for not drawing a conclusion. Yeah, it seems like both sides want Mueller to be more direct. And Mueller's like, I'm not going to tell either of you what you want. I'm just going to lay out the facts and let you think for yourself and, you know, duke it out or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, basically. I'm done. Congress, it's your turn. Totally. Yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. So this is simple. He can't say the president committed a crime, so he said the next best thing. The president did not commit a crime. Double negative. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mueller then gives an overview of the report, saying Section 1 provides an overview of obstruction of justice principles and summarizes certain investigatory and evidentiary considerations. Section 2 is the factual results and analysis of obstruction evidence. Section 3 goes over the statutory and constitutional defenses. And what that means is that when Trump's lawyers say, the Constitution says I can do anything and the laws don't prevent me. Uh, well, he puts a whole section in here about why that's wrong. <laughs> and Section 4 states his conclusions. So we're going to continue with the executive summary and then we'll go into Section 1. Sound good? Sounds mm-hmm. good. Word. 
So Mueller's investigation focused on a series of actions by the president that related to the Russia probe. Um, that's the underlying crime, if you want one. <laughs> <laughs> and including, uh, this includes his conduct with law enforcement and witnesses uh, to relevant events. So let's go over those key events that begin at the top of page three. This is the kafefe of obstructions. Right. Okay. The first is the campaign's response to public reporting about Russia supporting the Trump campaign. This goes uh, to Trump denying Russia interfered while simultaneously seeking information about planned WikiLeaks releases. Like, you know, Russia didn't interfere. Hey, when's that WikiLeaks thing coming out? Mm -hmm. Exactly. What? Um, the redaction here is for harm to an ongoing matter, likely says from Roger Stone, uh, because we're talking about WikiLeaks and that's an ongoing mm -hmm. matter. And it possibly Manafort, who may have had contact with Julian Assange. We don't know yet. Or Junior. Right? I was going to say, yeah, maybe Junior. Could be. Um I know Stone for sure. And yeah. <laughs> additionally, Trump lied about having business contacts with Russia despite trying to build a Trump Tower Moscow, with, with which both Jr. and Cohen lied about for him. And uh, Mueller notes here <clears throat> that Trump's possible motivation or intent, uh, which is that uh, reports of Russian interference might lead us to question the legitimacy of his election. Mm. So, so what if it's Cohen then? Because he's definitely got ongoing matters. It, it could be, but I, I'm, you still think I'm it's certain Roger. it's Stone. Yeah, yeah. But what's really funny here is that he's so caught up in his legitimacy. You know, remember the electoral map he hung on mm -hmm. Pope Hicks's desk oh, outside yeah, of Trump. his office? Mm -hmm. And he's, it's just he's he's he holds it closer to him, and it's more important to him than, like, his testicles. And <laughs> I think they might be inextricably linked. But that is what brought him down in the intent because – He's like, well, I wasn't I was just mad. I wasn't trying to cover up a crime. But we'll go into a little bit later about circumstantial evidence and intent and the entirety of the case, looking at all of the issues and the fact that he was worried about the legitimate legitimacy of his presidency gives him motive to obstruct justice in into the investigation into the Russian election. Oh, yeah. It's, it's it's just a sweet irony. And nobody really picked up on that in in the news cycle right. when this report came out. But it's like it's. His were, pride and you were like, so worried about your dick mm -hmm. that you, you know, yeah. broke the law protecting your dick. <laughs> That's so fun to me. Mm -hmm. um, uh, next is the conduct involving Comey and Flynn. Uh, and we know what happened here, right? In mid-January before Trump took office, Flynn lied to Pence and the FBI about talking to Kislyak about Russia's response to the Obama sanctions, the ones that were imposed for election interference. And I think that gets missed sometimes, too. Um, but the day after Trump was told about Flynn's lies, the day after, he invited Comey to a private dinner and asked Comey for loyalty. And then on Valentine's Day, hmm, <laughs> the day after the president asked Flynn to resign, which I don't think he did, uh, he told an advisor, now that we fired Flynn, the Russia thing is over. And the advisor said, nah, bro, investigation keeps going. It's not, nope, that's not firing, no. And keep in mind that there's evidence, like I said, that Trump did not fire Flynn. In the book Fear, remember we covered this in our in our um, book review? Yes. Um, Fear by Bob Woodward, I think. <clears throat> A source told Woodward that Trump said, let's say, let's say we fired Flynn. That sounds better than, than what? I don't know because they didn't put that in the book. <laughs> <laughs> like what really happened? We still don't know. But it does call into question what happened uh, to Flynn in those 18 days between learning that he lied to Pence and the FBI and his eventual departure from the administration. All I don't know what happened, but I don't think he was fired. Yeah, I agree. It seems like a cover-up, but what are they covering up? That's the idea, right? Exactly. Um, the same day that same advisor told Trump the investigation would continue, the president cleared the Oval Office after a meeting, except for Comey's, like, you stay behind. 
And I remember reading, it's not in the report, but I remember reading that Sessions really wanted to stay and Priebus was like, mm-hmm. don't no. kick us out, you know? <laughs> yeah. But he was like, get the fuck out. And, and Sessions stayed anyway. And, and Sessions was like, don't you want me here? And he's like, no, get the fuck out. <laughs> and because uh, knowing leaving him alone with the director of the investigation into him was a bad fucking mm-hmm. idea. Yeah, yeah. He was like, Dobby is free. Yeah, <laughs> get the fuck out. Yeah, that's like a freaking trap, dude. Mm-hmm. 100% a trap, except it was not a trap. It was just one he knew he would walk into. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even though it was not set idiot. by anybody. <laughs> yeah. It's the perfect No one crime. set the trap. <laughs> yeah, he just. Trump has given Comey He a creates sock. his own trap and walks into it. <laughs> yeah. Comey is free. <laughs> oh my God, that's great. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, um, Trump said to Comey, I hope you can see your, your way clear to letting this go, to letting Flynn go. He's a good guy. I hope you can let this go. And that is exactly why Sessions didn't want to leave the room, because that right there is an obstructive act. We called it when it happened, when it was publicly reported, and now it's right here in Mueller's report as one of the obstructive yeah. acts. Would you totally. even give Sessions that much credit, though, to even know that that was going to happen? And, and he, I don't even believe no, he, he just w- knew something bad would happen. Uh, yeah. That's enough. I feel yeah. like he more just wanted to be included. That seems to be so? the... I don't know. That seems to be a I trend with the knew. AGs and deputy he, AGs. The way it was described, though, in the book, it seemed like he was nervous. I felt like he knew. I felt like, mm, don't suck that guy's dick. Yeah, yeah I guess yeah. I got more of that sense from Priebus than I did Okay. Yeah, Priebus Sessions. is smarter, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. I agree. But, but Sessions is a lawyer, and he did correctly recuse himself from yeah. the investigation, which comes up here, At too. At the Council of Ethics lawyers though right? yes but people but have ignored those fuckers in the past true oh, and yeah, currently <laughs> yeah Hello, that's true fucking Whitaker and yeah uh, our you'll have to pin me Bill down Barr. to get me to accept that Sessions made a good decision that's what <laughs> that's <laughs> fair, actually, fair. I feel you I feel you um, Trump also sought to have Flynn's deputy KT McFarland draft an internal letter stating the president had not directed Flynn to discuss sanctions with Kislyak McFarland declined because she didn't know if that was sketch or not. Nah. Mm. And a lawyer in the White House counsel's office thought that it would look like squid pro quo, which is what we call quid pro quo, uh, for offering McFarland an ambassadorship that she recently got. So it'd be like, I'll give you an ambassador to Singapore if you write me this letter. Hey, 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 hey. And she's like, nah, dude, nah. Nah, brah, sketch. <laughs> so Trump asked Flynn uh, to talk to Russia about sanctions. Uh, then found out Flynn was being investigated for lying about it. Then told the public he fired him. Uh, found out that firing Flynn didn't kill the investigation. He asked Comey to let it go. Then he offered Flynn's deputy an ambassadorship in exchange for creating a false record that Trump didn't ask Flynn to talk to the Russians about the sanctions Obama implemented for helping elect Trump. Nothing to see here. Mm-hmm. No big deal. That's my summary. That's not Mueller's summary. There's a <laughs> lot of stuff in there that we don't know to yeah, be. Yeah, you're paraphrasing. <laughs> I am. Uh, on the third action, having to do with Trump's reaction to uh, continuing Russia investigation and Sessions considering recusal from the Russia investigation because of his partition, participation in the Trump campaign, right? Remember, he's like, I got to go. <laughs> so in March, Trump told the White House counsel, Don McGahn, to stop Sessions from recusing because he heard wind. He heard tell that this racist possum was going to recuse himself. And when Sessions recused on March 2nd, like the next day, Trump was so pissed. He, he exploded with anger. He told his advisors that he should have an AG who would protect him. This isn't in the report, but I believe he said something about Roy Cohn. I need my Roy Cohn. And he said something about Eric Holder protecting right. Obama. Um, and that weekend, Trump took Sessions aside at an event and urged him to unrecuse himself, which is not a thing. Yeah. Could you unfuck us? Yeah, <laughs> totally. 
Um, and later that month, Comey testified that the FBI was investigating Russian efforts to interfere in the 2016 election, including any links to the Trump campaign. That prompted Trump to reach out to the DNI, Director of National Intelligence, and the directors of the CIA and the NSA to ask them to publicly announce Trump didn't have anything to do with the Russian interference. And he also called Comey twice, even though McGahn told him not to. He's mm-hmm. like, don't have direct contact with the Department of Justice, bro. Priebus told him that, too. That's not in the report, but that was in Priebus's notes. And Comey had previous, previously told Trump the FBI was not investigating him personally. And the president asked Comey to lift the cloud of the Russia investigation by publicly exonerating him. And then on page four, we're on to the next action, the firing of Jim Comey. So on May 3rd, in public testimony, Comey would not answer whether Trump himself was under investigation. This is later, after he said he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because basically when he was under investigation, Comey couldn't say that anymore. So within days, Trump fired Comey. Um, The president insisted the termination letter, which was written for public release, state that Comey told him he was not under investigation. And the day of the firing, the White House said he was fired based on uh, independent recommendations from Sessions and Rosenstein that Comey was fired for his mishandling of the Hillary Clinton email investigation. But the president decided to fire Comey before hearing from the DOJ. Um, The day after he fired Comey, he told Russian officials in the Oval Office that he faced great pressure because of Russia, which had been taken off by firing Comey. And I think he called him a crackpot, too, or something. Called him a name. (laughs) And the next day, Trump admitted in a TV interview with Lester Holt. Lester Holt's name isn't in this. I just know it. Uh, He was going to fire Comey regardless, you know. And he he said when he decided just to do it, uh, I was thinking that this Russia thing (laughs) with Trump and Russia is a made-up story. And that was the famous... Lester Holt interview. Everyone mm-hmm. was like, what? And when Lester Holt asked him if he was angry with Comey about the investigation, Trump said, as far as I'm concerned, I want that thing to be absolutely done properly, adding that firing Comey might even lengthen the investigation. Hmm. Yeah, you know why? Because you know it's fucking bullshit and illegal. <laughs> That's why it would lengthen the investigation. That's consciousness of guilt right there. That goes toward intent, and I wouldn't be surprised when he breaks down the three uh, criteria that that comes up as proving that he had knowing intent that or cor- that he was corrupt yes. in his decision. Why else would he say that? Because I'm hesitant to believe that that is why he would say that, but I can't think of another reason as to why he would say that, he that it would lengthen def- the investigation. he was trying to defend himself, saying, oh, I wasn't trying to shut down the investigation. Firing Comey would make it worse. Hmm. You know, I think yeah. that's probably what his thought was. Oh, I see. Okay, so you're saying... He's just going to deny that he did the thing that he did and say that if he did do it, it would have done the thing that it did. Yeah. Like, it would have been crazy if Makes I did sense. that, right? <laughs> okay, like, totally. totally. Yeah, ding, yeah. ding, ding, ding. <laughs> uh, on to the next obstruction event at the bottom of page four regarding the efforts to remove special counsel. This has to be weird to write about yourself. Although I, I don't think <clears throat> that Mueller himself probably wrote this entire report. Uh, I think he, it was written by his staff and, and he probably okayed it and signed it and went through it and had it explained to him. Uh, And people are giving him shit about that, too. Like, did you even write the report? Did you even write your statement? He's like, I'm not talking about that. Yeah. I haven't seen him in 19 people. So Mueller, who wrote it? (laughs) (laughs) Mueller, who wrote? Who wrote it? Uh, You know, I mean, he was in charge of the whole thing. He was the conductor of the train. He's not. That's why you have 19 people on your staff who are expert lawyers. Um, But anyway, Rosenstein appointed Mueller on May 17th, uh, I think in great part due to pressure by Andrew McCabe to preserve the independence of the FBI and to protect the investigation. Uh, That's not in the report. I'm just going by what uh, we read in the threat by Andrew McCabe. And Trump's reaction was, oh, fuck, this is the end of my presidency. I'm fucked. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and he demanded a resignation from Sessions immediately. Sessions submitted his resignation, but Trump ultimately did not accept it. The president told aides Mueller was conflicted and could not serve, and his advisors told him the conflicts were meritless and they'd already been vetted by the Department of Justice Mm -hmm. and Rod Rosenstein before he was appointed. Like, uh, thanks, but we thought of that. We know you don't vet people, but we vet people. Mm -hmm. Right. And so he probably just thought, like anyone he hires, Mm -hmm. no one looked into it. Do you think if Snoop Dagg was there instead of Barr, or sorry, if Barr was there instead of Snoop Dagg, it would have gone differently from the beginning? I do, but only because it seems like their intentions were slightly different. Rosenstein was just trying to, I guess, survive, and then Barr is like a straight up, you know, like hitman, it seems, or, you know, whatever, goon of Trump's. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or this could have been before Barr sent his, you know, 19-page memo to the Department of Justice about how the president is above mm-hmm. it all. Uh, I don't know if he always thought that way uh, or if he became to think that way so that he could get this job and be this pit bull. He might not have been because a, a lot of people were surprised when Barr came in and started mm-hmm. breaking the law and doing impeachable things and acting Despite unethically. His, you know, past his checkered past. Uh, yes, I guess we shouldn't all be terribly surprised. Yeah. But, like, even Chuck Rosenberg and Andrew Torres, like, people we know were like, we thought he was an institutionalist, um, like Rosenstein. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even Mueller was his friend recently before all this went down. So yeah. he forgave him for the 90s, I guess. Everyone else did, too. <laughs> no They're like, we all make mistakes. No one forgave like, me for the 90s. But. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I was born in the 90s. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> the internet forgives no one. That's true. It's very true. Which sucks for millennials, right? Yeah. We, we grew up on the internet, basically. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've been on Facebook since, like, the sixth grade. Yeah, since oh, I was 12. Same, same. Yeah. I was in my 30s. Okay. Yeah. Right? I pretended I was a college student. Uh, yeah? That, that was basically it. Yeah, that's I true. Right. I guess I started on MySpace, and then I switched over to Facebook I was in big. High like, MySpace was in its heyday when I was just turning 30. Yeah. Um, Whoa. I used to spend hours deciding what my profile song would be. Same. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> who my top eight friends were, and yes. then they expanded it to twelve and made oh, my life harder. God, yeah. I, know, yeah. I know, I know. I didn't have twelve friends. Yeah, no, that was hard for me. <laughs> my thirty-year-old life. Huh. Can so, you imagine? <laughs> yeah, who like uh, Trump's top eight was at the time? Oh, <laughs> that would be cute. At that time or now? Because now it would be easier for me to guess. Back then it would be Epstein and <laughs> right. know, Stone. Yeah, Clinton, mm-hmm. Bill. Yeah. Yeah. You took me off your top eight. What the hell, what? man? <laughs> <laughs> Can I go Bro- Broidy. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Bunch of Not rich. looking good. <laughs> what a great group of folks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so on June 14th, uh, we'll go back here, that the, me- the media reported that Mueller was investigating whether Trump obstructed justice. We all found out on June 14th. Um, about a little less than a month after he was appointed. And Trump reacted with a series of tweets criticizing the Department of Justice and Mueller. And on June 17th, the president called McGahn at home and directed him to call Rosenstein and say that the special counsel had conflicts of interest and must be removed, even though his advisors have already told him they've been vetted, they're not, they're meritless. Uh, McGahn did not carry out the direction and and went and packed, went to his office that night, packed his stuff up and was going to resign. And he he told Mueller he was going to resign rather than trigger a potential Saturday night massacre, which is during Watergate, Nixon fired the special counsel and then uh, the attorney general resigned and the mm-hmm. deputy attorney general resigned. And the solicitor general is finally the one who well, they, I'm sorry, Nixon asked the attorney general to fire the special counsel. He resigned in protest, asked the deputy who became the acting. He resigned that same night. Then finally, the solicitor general is the one who f- fired 
Archibald Cox. Mm-hmm. And then that was the Saturday Night Massacre. Yeah, yeah. Triggered. A bunch of other people, I think, resigned in protest, too. Mm-hmm. But those are the big ones. So he's like, I'm not going to be part of this. Holy fuck, I'm going to resign because I'm not going to kick this off. Uh, but that sounds like it would kick it off, but whatever. Um, the beginning <laughs> of the end. Yeah. Right. So page five, on to page five in the next obstructive act. This has to do with uh, Trump's attempts to curtail the Mueller investigation. Not not fire Mueller, but cur- like limit his investigation. Mm-hmm. Curtail and sounds like, like a key way to say obstructed like, yeah. you know, or tweaking it. Curtail. And this is the part where two days after he asked McGahn to fire Mueller and he refused, he asked private citizen and former campaign chair <laughs> Corey Lewandowski to tell Sessions to publicly announce that even though he was recused, Jeff Sessions, the investigation was very unfair to Trump. And uh, uh, he also told him to order Mueller to only move forward with investigating election meddling in future elections. Uh, Lewandowski said he understood what Trump wanted him what wanted Sessions to do, but a month later he still hadn't done it. Lewandowski hadn't delivered the message, so Trump asked him for a status update, and he said, "I'll do uh, soon, soon, boss, soon." <laughs> but hours after that meeting, Trump publicly criticized Sessions in a New York Times interview, and then issued a series of tweets threatening Sessions' job. I remember when those came out. Lewandowski didn't want to deliver Trump's message no more, so um, he asked Rick Dearborn to do it. He's passing the buck to Rick. Um, of Dearborn and Mashburn. Of oh, Dearborn and Mashburn Passing fame. the buck to deer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It. I like They're it. They're like an Garfunkel and Oates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, very cute. And so, yeah, he's Dearborn of Dearborn and Mashburn, two of the guys who were responsible for um, changing the RNC platform uh, to be uh, ease up on the anti-Russia hates Ukraine language. For sure. Right? So, uh yeah, they didn't want to say that they were going to give lethal weapons to Ukraine, but just assistance where needed. Like, they wanted to ease up. So on, for if Russia, people have to die, so be it. On Russia's behalf, yeah. They, yeah. Because they wanted to, you know, they were the annexation of Crimea. We also imposed sanctions, Obama did, for that. So mm-hmm. Everything that Obama did. So Lewandowski, this is actually a thing that I'm not completely clear on. He asked Sessions to come out and say that the whole thing was unfair after he was already recused. And then he also was ordered to ask Sessions to tell Mueller that he couldn't investigate anything unless it was a future thing. Not that he asked him to directly go talk to Mueller. Okay, that makes so much more sense. Up until this point, I understood that as him saying he was supposed to go to Mueller directly as Lewandowski. Oh, yeah. No. But, I mean, might as well. You're going to a recused attorney general. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still, yeah. Yeah, that I mean, it's still obviously completely ridiculous, but he uh, probably would have. But Lewandowski probably had no idea how to find Mueller himself. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, but he wouldn't have though, right? Because he didn't do any of it. No, he didn't. And yeah. then he asked Dearborn to do it, and Dearborn wouldn't do it either. He's like, I know I'm just Dearborn, but fuck you. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next obstructive act is Trump's effort to prevent public disclosure of evidence, and this has to do with his efforts to lie to the public about the purpose of the June 9, twenty sixteen Trump Tower meeting, and he did this with Hope Hicks and Junior in tow. Um, uh, so not only on several occasions did he direct aides not to publicly disclose the emails that set up the Trump Tower meeting, but he also dictated the statement um, from Air Force One on the way back from the G20 summit, I think, that uh, Trump Jr., because Trump Jr., New York Times asked Trump Jr. what the meeting was about, and Trump and Trump dictated to Trump Jr. with Hope Hicks on the phone, and that guy, Rafael, Josh Rafael was there, I think, mm-hmm. and he... Quit. Is that the babysitter? No, it's um yeah, 
him. Mm-hmm. And then there was another lawyer who quit uh, that was on Air Force One. Yeah, in he protest. Said, I'm not going to be around like, this Like, this shit. is very illegal. Yeah, yeah. They're like, this is obstruction of justice, they said the words. Um, and so this ended up in, in, this, in the Mueller report as well and is one of the uh, crimes of obstruction committed by the president interfering by altering that statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It also pro- probably <laughs> helps go toward intent. And basically saying that this wasn't a meeting about getting Russian dirt or Russian dirt on Hillary. This was a meeting about Russian adoption. adoptions. Yes. yes. And that's when we started just referring to sanctions as adoptions because <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Colloquially. Right. <laughs> yes. Colloquial. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Learn it's something. The same thing. Yeah. Um, we were making fun of yesterday in an episode that uh, Doug Collins, a Republican, was trying to get Mueller to say that a collusion and coordination or conspiracy mean the same thing by reading him a, a part of a sentence in his report, which is part of a larger paragraph describing why he didn't use the word collusion that, that <laughs> said sometimes collusion and conspiracy colloquially mean the same thing. And I don't think a lot of people, you know, Trump supporters would understand the, the doctoral level meaning of the word colloquial. And you just presented it in the perfect, yeah. perfect fashion. You taught us all. People on Twitter were like, I learned something from AG. You used it in a sentence. Nice. Now use it in a play. Yeah, no, now you learn how to spell it. <laughs> uh, let's see here. So in the next obstructive act has to do with Trump's further efforts to have Sessions take control of the investigation. So he tried again, right? So because in early summer, because it was back in March that he wanted him to unrecuse. But now we're in summer and Trump called Sessions again to ask him to unrecuse. But Sessions said no. And then later in October, now we're in the fall, Trump asked Sessions to investigate Clinton. And then in December, uh, shortly after Flynn flipped, Trump told Sessions that if he unrecused and took back supervision of the Mueller probe, he would be considered a hero. And he added, I'm not going to do anything or direct you to do anything. And that's consciousness of guilt right there. And I'm sure this is in the report because that goes toward corrupt intent. Mm -hmm. Uh, He told Sessions he just wanted to be treated fairly. Sessions assured the president that he never saw anything improper and there was a whole new leadership team, but he's not going to unrecuse himself. So he tried to comfort the orange man, but didn't work to no to no avail. The next act of obstruction starts at the bottom of page five and it goes into page six and it outlines the efforts to have McGahn deny that he ordered him to fire Mueller. Uh, basically, after Trump told McGahn to fire Mueller and McGahn almost resigned rather than carry out that order, Trump directed White House officials to tell McGahn, he's too much of a coward to tell McGahn this himself, um, to create a false document stating he had not been ordered to have Mueller fired. And McGahn told those advisors that Trump did tell him to fire Mueller, so he's not going to write that thing. That's falsifying records. Uh, And then Trump met with McGahn after that and pressured him to deny it and asked him why he told the special counsel Trump asked him to fire Mueller and why McGahn took notes of his conversations with Trump. Uh, And McGahn refused to back away uh, from what he remembered happening and perceived Trump to be testing his mettle or testing his loyalty. Yeah, yeah. So that happened. And that's creating a false document. That's not something that, because a lot of times Trump and his lawyers say, I'm just doing my constitutional duty under Article 2 of the of the Constitution. I can fire Comey. That's my constitutional power. Oh, for whatever reason, I can do whatever the fuck I want. But you can't say that the Constitution protects the president's ability to file false documents in the record. So Yeah, that's a hard argument to make. This goes outside of that, and I think that that's why they brought this, this specific... Um, event of obstruction or action of obstruction up in Mueller's testimony and and kind of stuck on it for a while. The Dems wanted to know, 
falsifying documents you know that's huge and it is it 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 lies outside of the president's core constitutional powers and responsibilities yeah if you're criming that can't be an excuse you know right that too but and also but this specifically because he was criming when he fired comey yeah because he had corrupt intent but that's within his Article Two powers to fire whoever he wants. Mm-hmm. This is not anywhere in the Constitution. Yeah, unless he could make the legal argument that by him doing that was going to somehow preserve the union in a way that only the president could see fit to seek out. Right? He I should get, hire you. <laughs> yeah, but that's that. You'd that be would a be something. Defense lawyer than Jay Sekulow. Right? <laughs> but that's something that would come through in impeachment proceedings, right? Yeah, yeah. If, if that uh, if that actually happened. Whew, but I, I hope so. Yeah, I bet. I mean, that's like that's the biggest loophole they have. So. Or in the court of law after he loses the 2020 election. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting. Yeah. So if they're yeah, okay, this is like a whole other conversation, I guess. But I <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll have, I'll I'll remember this for later yeah, when we talk about put, charging him after his one. presidency. Yeah, yeah. Right. Put it in the parking lot as yeah. they say on corporate conference calls. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh on to page 6 and the obstructive acts surrounding the conduct toward Flynn Manafort and redacted. Now, I thought the redacted name here was Cohen because I know that Trump said a lot of public stuff about Flynn being a good guy and Manafort being a good guy and stay strong. And I thought the third one was was Cohen because he said a lot of things publicly about Cohen. But it's not because Cohen is covered in the next paragraph, as is all the stuff that Trump said about him publicly. Oh. But what if Flynn and Manafort have in common? Trump supported them. They pled. They pleaded. Uh, or Well, Flynn didn't plead not guilty, but he supported him. Dangled pardon. Yet. <laughs> good point. So uh, I think... And keep in mind, our redaction guesses are just guesses uh, based on public reporting and what we know of the investigation. We make no guarantees about our assertions of what's behind these redaction bars. <laughs> we should do like a Will of yeah, Fortune <laughs> Yeah, like redacted oh. edition. Yeah, yeah, from the Mueller report. Uh, I think this is Stone. Um, and I'll tell you why in a minute. So going into the Flynn thing, after Flynn withdrew from his joint defense agreement, Mueller writes that Trump's lawyer called Flynn's lawyer to remind him about how much Trump likes Flynn and asked for a heads up about what Flynn was telling Mueller. And Flynn's lawyer told Trump's lawyer, who we now know to be John Dowd, but is not mentioned by name here, he might come up later, that he can't share that information anymore because they aren't part of that joint defense agreement. And since this report was released, the judge in Flynn's case, Judge Sullivan, ordered that voicemail released to the public. It's available for you to hear. Go go look it up. John Dowd <laughs> voicemail iTunes. to Flynn. <laughs> yeah. yeah, put it in there right in between, you know, it's Ritual a, de la Habitual and Peekaboo. There you Stick go. Yeah, yeah. There. A little ringtone for you. Um, he threatened Flynn and dangled a pardon pretty blatantly. Um, and then regarding Manafort, who pleaded not guilty, Trump praised him and said, stay strong, you know, said during his trial that he was being treated unfairly and he wouldn't rule out a pardon. And um, after he was convicted, Trump called Manafort a brave man for refusing to break and said that flipping almost should be outlawed. <laughs> and they brought that up in yesterday's testimony, too. Like, should flipping be outlawed? He's like, no, we would have no we would have no court mm-hmm. cases. Right, right. It's so funny how, like, Trump <clears throat> was cheering Mueller on, or Manafort on, like, you know, stay strong, don't let the man get to you, you know, and Trump You're, is the man. He is the man. <laughs> in every way. <laughs> <laughs> so this isn't in the report, but on December, in December of 2018, after a tirade of comments about Michael Cohen saying Cohen, Cohen made up stories about Trump, he called himself in the third person Trump, uh, Trump tweeted about Stone, quote, it's nice to know that some people still have guts. Trump also said about Stone that he will not be forced by a rogue and out-of-control prosecutor, it sounds like an out-of-control rapist, uh, Mm. to make up lies and stories about the president. So my guess about this redacted sentence is is that it says, 
In December 2018, Trump tweeted about Roger Stone, who had pleaded not guilty that it's nice to know that some people still have guts or something to that effect. It's right. just a guess, but that's what I think yeah. is under there. Because the, the other two are, are kind of along the same lines. He's also not a prosecutor. This is so annoying that people keep saying that. Well, special like, prosecutor that's not, was the phrase, but you're right. He's an investigator. But, that, but that's not his prime. Like a prosecutor is someone that gets brought onto a case, right? Mm-hmm. That's like, this is a person that is going to sue somebody or is going to criminally charge somebody or like go after team. them. Right. And right. He did that and with some of them, but it was yeah, never did. But there's, but oh, there's a right. difference. His team did. Yeah. Yes. And there's a difference. Well, there's a difference between being like, the subject of an investigation versus someone who is blatantly going to be essentially attacked in a courtroom by a prosecutor and a predetermined prosecutorial argument. This is like he was starting out as an investigator and these people, a lot of people became subjects throughout the course of all of his work. So Mm -hmm. just to label him as a prosecutor is starting off on, on like a a very biased and sure ultimately he becomes representative of a prosecutorial body right but, because but like the special counsel gives him the full power of a u.s attorney which is a prosecutor exactly but that's oh. not his but that's not his not initial his point so special counsel actually a better way to describe him than special currently they're called special counsel before they were called special prosecutors they've been called special investigators they but uh, they all sort of fall under whatever the rules are for that moment yeah mm-hmm. uh, i think special counsel is what you call him he's I in charge agree. of right. a group of prosecutors it takes the politics out of it yeah, right it's more because, damaging for the yeah. prosecutor because calling him a prosecutor literally is like hey wait a second why are they bringing someone in it's like they predetermined he was going to be you know prosecuted right. and, and that's not how it was at all no it's like he was just being investigated and it very quickly turned into a prosecution situation. And that's what this is. It's the Mueller investigation. It's not the Mueller prosecution. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now there was the Manafort prosecution that came out of the Mueller investigation. There was the Cohen prosecution that came out of the Mueller investigation. You investigate and then you hand off to U.S. attorneys and prosecute. But he had all of his guys underneath him with full power of U.S. attorney to prosecute on his behalf so he didn't have to give it to U.S. Mm-hmm. attorney's offices to do the prosecuting. Yeah, mm-hmm. when it became necessary. Yeah, as it as as uh, the grand jury returned indictments. Yeah. That's when he, the prosecutors take over. Yes. And, and it's no longer Mueller's. Right. You know? And like if someone comes and robs you or something, it's like... You're gonna you're you're gonna get a prosecutor on your side to try to punish them to the full extent of the law right off the bat, but here was like we're going to investigate to see if you did rob this person. Yeah, and yeah. The detective is not the prosecutor. Yeah, you know what I mean. Even if they have the power to effectively turn into one. But, yeah, and there but, were so many memes and gifs that were like having Mueller in his FBI jacket arresting Trump, and I guess that probably really pissed Mueller off. I liked it. I liked him too, but he's like, that's not my job, you know? Yeah, he he also chose to not prosecute. That's another big difference. Mm -hmm. If you're a prosecutor in the general, you know, more normal sense, you're 100% going to be prosecuting every single subject that comes across your way, whereas Mueller has a whole section in both of these volumes where he decides where he did and did not decide to effectively go through with prosecution. Mm Mm-hmm. He he uh, he investigates. Grand jury decides to bring charges, and his prosecutors prosecute. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got a job. Um, so then, then here's why I didn't think that redaction was Cohen. We have a whole thing about Michael Cohen. This is about Trump's obstructive conduct invo- involving Cohen. Trump's conduct uh, changed from praise for him when he lied about Trump Trump Tower Moscow to castigation. Uh, I, like that, I like that he used that word. Uh, when he became a cooperating witness. As we know, in 2017, Cohen provided false testimony to Congress about when the Trump Tower Moscow negotiations ended. 
Uh, we also know that when prepping his statement for Congress about Trump Tower Moscow, Cohen was advised by Trump, Jared, and Ivanka's lawyers to stay on message with Trump's false timeline. Also to not mention Ivanka, which isn't in here. And after the FBI raided Cohen's home and office in April 2018, Trump publicly said Cohen would never flip. Uh, he was loyal and even called him directly to say, stay strong. Uh, Cohen also discussed pardons with Trump's lawyers uh, and believed if he lied for Trump, he would be taken care of, quote unquote. Uh, but after Cohen flipped, Trump called him a rat and suggested that his family members had committed crimes. Something else left out of this report is Matt Gates tweeted um, about this. You remember when he tweeted that uh, thing at Cohen? About Cohen's father-in-law yeah. and Cohen's mistresses. Cohen's father-in-law who's mobbed up mm-hmm. and finding out about his daughter, you know, Cohen's wife and Cohen having girlfriends affairs and yeah. stuff. Ooh, I bet your father-in-law, the mobbed up, dangerous, violent guy, mm-hmm. would love to hear about that. You're going to have some discussions. That was weird. Uh, and that's not in this report, but I don't think he was investigating Matt Gates. But he, Matt Gates is currently under investigation um, under the Florida by the, For- the Florida Bar Association and the House Ethics Committee. That started uh, a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. I also feel like that stuff came out right when the report was probably kind of wrapping up in their office. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it would have necessarily been in here, but even if it mm-hmm. could have been in here, the timing was, it was past, mm-hmm. past due. So that's the list of Cafefe of the Cafefe of Obstructions. Uh, mm-hmm. We determined in an earlier episode that the collective noun for obstructions of justice is a Cafefe, so we're <laughs> going to continue to use it. Uh, this is a pretty comprehensive list, uh, but we also kept a list of all of uh, the obstructions of justice, and all these are on it. But we had a few more that weren't in, that weren't put that weren't included in the report. I don't know why. Um, maybe he couldn't find all three or produce enough evidence. But they're not mentioned in here. And also, this report is a summary, so they might be in the underlying documents that the ones that Jerry Nadler and Adam Schiff are trying to get right now. Mm-hmm. Some obstructions not included in Mueller's report are when Trump went after the Comey Five. Right, that's the top FBI guys that Comey shared his contemporaneous notes with about Trump's loyalty ask and request to let Flynn the Flynn thing go, and they include. Uh, Bente, Bodich, Ribicki, or Ribicki, McCabe, Baker, and Gaddis. And I know that six, we added the sixth beetle, Bente, after <laughs> he was removed from his job. Um, there was also the time Trump pressured Burr, Senator Burr, and asked other senators to pressure Senator Burr, who is the chair of the House, no, the Senate Intel mm-hmm. Committee. Who subpoenaed DTJ. Yep, to stop the Senate Intel Committee investigation. He, yes, he is the one who subpoenaed Donald Trump Jr., so he pressured Burr. Trump also told Priebus he spoke to Comey about exonerating him. Trump also pressured Tom Tillis to drop his legislation that would have protected the special counsel. Uh, then there was the time Trump asked Sessions to release one negative news story per day about Comey. Then there was the time he fired Sally Yates as the acting uh, attorney general after she came over hair on fire warning that Flynn was compromised by the Russians. Then there was a time Trump asked McCabe for loyalty and asked you know, who his wife voted for and called his wife a loser. That was when he was acting director of the FBI. Uh, then there was a time he reassigned Baker, the general counsel of the FBI, and the time he fired McCabe the day before his retirement and ordered an investigation into him. He also tried to get Christopher Ray to fire McCabe. Uh, he also fired Rubicki. He let Priebus go. And then there was a the time he ordered Nunez to target McCabe, Rubicki, and Baker. And then there was a the time he conspired with Nunez on his memo, discrediting those investigating him. And there was that time he forced forced Rachel Brand out. And then he tried to block the Dem memo response to Nunez's lame-ass memo. So those are just a few more obstructions that we were tracking that aren't in this report. That should be a segment. And then there was the time. Because there's just so many examples. Yeah, you can get, really get into it, each yeah. of them if, if you wanted to, yeah. 
Yeah, and anyone who's been listening to us since the beginning knows about all these instances, how we've talked about them, and we were compiling our list of kafefe of obstructions. Mm -hmm. So who's continuing to investigate his conduct right now, the time period that exceeds past the timeline covered in the Mueller report? Mueller, cheer up. Congress. (laughs) (laughs) Congress, if you want to hire us. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like some of those things happened after, again, when it would seem like the report and its findings kind of start to cut off a little bit. Senate Intel, Senate Judiciary, House Judiciary, yeah, that kind of stuff. Um, I don't even know. I mean, their their plate's pretty full too. They, these yeah. might not even be things that are being looked into. They might be in the Mueller investigative materials and weren't brought up in the obstruction of justice, but could be added to articles of impeachment. I hope Nancy, if you're listening. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. It should be Congress though, because Mueller has basically said mm-hmm. anything that has to do with obstruction, Congress, your turn. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, guys, top of page seven. Mueller reminds us that he didn't make a decision about the facts, but that his evidence supports several general statements about the president's conduct. And back to the instances of obstruction outlined in the report, Mueller says there are several features of Trump's conduct that distinguish it from typical obstruction of justice cases. And this is where Mueller basically counters the arguments put forth by Trump's lawyers and Trump and Trump allies. The first thing is that some of his acts involve uh, facially lawful acts uh, within Trump's Article II authority, such as firing Comey, which I was talking uh, to you about a second ago, Jaleesa. Mm-hmm. That falls under his constitutional duties, and it raises constitutional questions that Mueller says he'll get into in a minute. Um, further, because Trump is the head of the executive branch, he has unique and powerful means of influencing official proceedings, subordinating off or sub, uh, uh, sorry, influencing official proceedings, subordinate officers, and potential witnesses, all of which are relevant to obstruction of justice analyses, right? Mm-hmm. Secondly, unlike cases in which the subject engages in obstruction to cover up a crime, the evidence Mueller obtained did not establish that Trump was involved in an underlying crime. Although obstruction statutes do not require proof of such a crime, the absence of that evidence makes the analysis of Trump's intent and requires other possible motives for his conduct. Sorry, it affects the analysis of Trump's intent. Mm Third, many of Trump's acts uh, directed at witnesses, including discouraging cooperating with law enforcement and dangling pardons, took place in public view. And that is unusual. (laughs) But no principle of law excludes public acts from obstruction. Uh, If the likely effect of public acts is to influence witnesses or suborn perjury, the harm to the justice system's integrity is still the same. So he's saying, normally... Smart people cover this shit up, but you did it right out in front of me. You walked out with your pants down, and I just want to let you know it's still illegal. (laughs) Mueller goes on to say that although the acts he investigated involve secret stuff, the overall pattern of Trump's conduct toward the investigation can shed light on the nature of his intent. Specifically, the actions Mueller investigated can be divided into two phases, and this is what I was talking about earlier. Um, They reflect, and it it kind of reflects a possible shift in the president's motives between these two phases of obstruction. The first phase covers everything up to the firing of Comey, and the second phase after, and with the appointment of Mueller. Because at that point, Trump knew he was under investigation, so his motive changes. Mm -hmm. Judgments about Trump's motives during each phase would be informed by the totality of the evidence. So the way he acted uh, Mm -hmm. before Comey was fired is informed by his actions after Mueller was appointed. Totally. And vice versa. Mm -hmm. Um, For the section um, of statutory and constitutional defenses on the bottom of page seven, Mueller tells us that Trump's lawyers said Trump couldn't obstruct justice because he's the head, he's the law, and because of his constitutional powers outlined in Article 2. And recently Trump said uh, on TV, uh, Article 2, at a rally, Article 2 lets me do anything I want. And that's Mm -hmm. frightening. Um, this section is where Mueller says, nah, nah, bro, um, you can't commit a crime 
uh, <laughs> no one's above the law. That's the thing. Yeah. And none of Trump's legal defenses provide a basis for declining for him decline to decline to investigate. So he's like, none of your arguments uh, will stop me from doing this. <laughs> More specifically, he then cites sections 1503, 1505, and certain sections of 1512. Well, of, of what text is this? Uh, this is uh, SC. This is uh, fe- uh, legal federal law. Okay. Federal law. Um, it's just like a general document, basically, for yeah. the president. Mm-hmm. Like 1001 is lying. No, these are federal criminal laws. Oh, okay. Got across it. the okay. board for And, any, and then 1503 and all this stuff addresses the president specifically or obstruction of justice specifically got it thank um, you specifically 1512 uh, shows no reason to narrow the provision to cover only conduct that impairs the integrity of available evidence as trump's lawyers have claimed that's what that one covers in mm-hmm. obstruction of justice and 1503 and 1505 offer protection against obstructive acts directed at a pending grand jury which Mueller had Right. Mm -hmm. And then so the 1503, 1505 are obstructing the Mueller investigation. 1512 is obstructing, um, you know, trying to cover up suborn perjury, fucking with the integrity of evidence. And then 1512B uh, protects prosecution of conduct intended to prevent or hinder the communication to law enforcement of information related to a federal crime. So that's when you try to also witness tamper, uh, like by telling um, Flynn, you know, you're a good guy and I'll, you're going to pardon, I'm going to pardon you. That could inhibit or hinder the communication to law enforcement of information. Totally. Mueller then talks about Trump's legal defense regarding the Constitution. Mueller says that since the Department of Justice and the courts have not definitively resolved the issues regarding Trump being the head of the executive branch, he examines the issues instead through the framework established by SCOTUS uh, and their precedent governing the separation of powers. So both the Department of Justice and Trump's lawyers have recognized that the president is subject to statutes that prohibit obstruction by bribing a witness or suborning perjury because that conduct does not implicate his constitutional authority. And that's what I was talking about earlier, about creating that false document or bribing witnesses. Even Trump's attorneys agree that's got nothing to do with constitutional authority. But with respect to whether Trump can obstruct justice by exercising powers granted to him by the Constitution in Article 2, Mueller concludes that Congress has the authority to prohibit a president's corrupt use of his authority. Congress. He says Congress here, and that's really important because mm-hmm. he's saying, yes, you can fire Comey, uh, granted you the powers under Article 2, but if you do it corruptly, Congress has the authority to prohibit it. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty plain and simple. Why would it? Why would the representative of a body that's supposed to be entirely separate from the executive branch essentially be able to make those judgments that should be congress just very fundamentally Mm -hmm. it it, it just seems like that should be congress in the first place right and basically what he's saying here is because of the separation of powers doctrine which and from scotus precedent about the separation of powers congress has that authority to prohibit you from doing that shitty shit (laughs) even though article two allows you to do it Mm mm-hmm um, that doesn't fall under the purview of bribing witnesses or dangling pardons or the other shit that you did. That's just plain old obstruction of justice um, and Section 1512. But this, you can't do this either. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is because of the separation of powers doctrine, not because of normal obstruction mm-hmm. of justice law. Mueller goes on to say that the Constitution does not immunize the president from obstructing justice. The separation of powers doctrine authorizes Congress to protect official proceedings, including those of the courts and grand juries like myself, Mueller from corrupt obstructive acts regardless of the source. Mueller also concluded that any inroad on presidential authority or any like detriment to presidential authority that would occur from prohibiting corrupt acts does not undermine the president's ability to fulfill his duties. Um, The term corruptly is a high standard and it requires concrete evidence that a person acted with intent to obtain an improper advantage. 
a preclusion of corrupt official action does not interfere with the president's rights to exercise his Article II powers either. Uh, Mueller then concludes that Congress may apply the obstruction laws to the president's corrupt exercise of his powers in accordance with our constitutional system of checks and balances and the principle that no one is above the law, not even the president. This is his toss the mic to, to the Congress moment. Absolutely. One of them. There's others. <laughs> uh, in conclusion... Uh, since Mueller did not make traditional prosecutor- prosecutorial judgments, he also did not draw any ultimate conclusions about the president's conduct. Quote, the evidence we obtained about the president's actions and intent presents difficult issues that we would need that would need to be resolved if we were making a traditional prosecutorial judgment. But we're not. At the same time, if we had confidence after a thorough investigation of the facts that the president clearly did not commit obstruction of justice, we would so state. Based on the facts and applicable legal standards, we were unable to reach that judgment. Accordingly, while the report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him. Ding, ding. That's a repeat from that earlier conclusion. Definitely. <clears throat> All right. Now, here, this, we'll go through this part really quick. This is the legal framework stuff. Um, and it starts on page nine. Part A is the framework of obstruction. Um, this is a summary of the law interpreting the elements of obstruction statutes. It does not address the unique constitutional issues that arise in an inquiry into acts by the president. This is just the obstruction of justice statutes. Those issues are discussed later in the report. And we briefly just covered them a little bit in the constitutional defenses section, but he, he goes off on it much in more detail later. But here, Mueller tells us about the three elements relevant to obstruction laws. First, there must be an obstructive act, such as asking Corey Lewandowski to tell Sessions to limit the investigation into, you know, to future elections only. Second element is a nexus to a, to a pending or contemplated official proceeding. Uh, so even the thought of an official proceeding counts. And nexus means a connection to. So this means the act, the obstructive act, has to be connected to an official proceeding, like a grand jury proceeding or the law. Uh, and the Mueller probe is a grand jury proceeding. So in the Lewandowski example, Trump wanted to limit the Mueller investigation, which is an official proceeding. So that links his obstructive act to an official proceeding. It seems like the first requirement would sort of warrant the second, right? It it does. I don't think I've, I don't know how you could obstruct justice without an official proceeding. Yeah. Otherwise, what are you tripping about? <laughs> it's like you don't have anything. Right. To, yeah. If you're not obstructing an official proceeding, what what are you just standing in somebody's way? Yeah. That's Obstructing not illegal. my view. I <laughs> guess I guess maybe that's if someone tried to point to some other conduct that a defendant had or something and it's like, well, even though that's bad, that's not really related to what's going on here mm-hmm. in the courts. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I it does I don't I don't they seem inextricably linked, don't they? Mm-hmm. The final element is the act has to have been done corruptly and thus provides the intent for obstruction of justice. It means you did it knowingly and dishonestly or with improper motive, and this requires proof that the individual was conscious of wrongdoing. Mm. Um, like a weekend at Bernie situation, you know. <laughs> We knew he was dead. <laughs> I've never seen it. Oh, don't. I only know the scene where they dress him up and they put the glasses. That's not a scene. That's the whole movie. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert. I think I've seen this they... movie referenced. Though. Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's... and they just morbidly dress him up in a masquerade yeah. as a comedy? Yeah, yeah. With children? Oh, I, I think hmm. that there might be children in the movie. Oh, okay. But they do this in <laughs> order to be able to continue to have a party at a mansion and ah, to meet his rich daughter. I see. Wow, that's dark. Yeah, sounds really creepy. <laughs> I love All it. All around. <laughs> I love it, but it's, it probably doesn't hold up. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> 
Um, so the Mueller also covers witness tampering in this section. That's a crime when you knowingly use intimidation or corruptly persuade another person or engage in misleading conduct toward another person with intent to influence, delay, or prevent the testimony of any person in an official proceeding or to hinder, delay, or prevent the communication to a law enforcement officer. And that's that part that I was talking about with Flynn. When the charge is acting with intent to hinder, delay, or prevent communication or information for law enforcement, that second part, the nexus to a proceeding does not apply because the obstructive act is aimed at the communication of information, not at impeding an official proceeding. So this is where you call up Flynn, you say, don't, don't flip, you know, and mm-hmm. don't tell Mueller right. the babysitter's dead. Don't shrimp, don't flip. Yeah, and yeah. then and then he doesn't. Flynn there is not obstructing or obstructing a, an official proceeding. He's obstructing Flynn who is trying to not communicate to the mm. law. So he says... That's witness tampering, right? Yeah, so yeah. he says in, in witness tampering, when when it's preventing someone from communicating with law enforcement, you don't need the nexus for to an okay. official proceeding. That counts, because he has the indirect nexus. Yeah, indirect yeah. nexus. Nexus by proxy. Mm-hmm. Noise. Noise. It's a lot like of X's. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? It's a cool phrase to have in your little lexicon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, another X. Oh, hey. Lexicon. Lexicon, Nexus by proxy. Yes. Oh, X has never gotten so much use. Muller <laughs> um, then. This stuff is extreme. <laughs> oh, damn. Muller <laughs> then talks about attempts and endeavors. And, and these are the laws covering the concept that you don't have to complete the act, I think, to be guilty of it. Simply attempting or endeavoring to commit a substance, a substantive uh, offense counts. And he cites relevant case law here. And then on to page 12 uh, and the investigative evidentiary considerations. Muller says after he was appointed, he obtained evidence that. Uh, about the following events related to potential obstruction of justice by Trump. The loyalty ask um, from Comey after the president found out Flynn lied to the FBI. Trump asking Comey to let the Flynn thing go. Trump asking Comey to publicly exonerate him. Trump pressuring the DNI, NSA, and CIA directors. Trump's TV interview with Holt where he said Russia was on his mind. Mm -hmm. And Trump dictating Junior's statement about the 2016 Trump Tower meeting. You know what Trump needs? One of those little flip books where you can grant someone like a free massage or like you know like I think they sell like them at like gift cart. shops yeah <laughs> and he's like here here's one like like you know a blank statement letting someone you know let something go like I don't know it seems like a good merch idea I can't oh quite... I see I see yeah, what you're saying yeah. I thought you meant like bought, like obstruct justice nine times the tenth one's free oh see mm-hmm. that could work too yeah in the same light just like uh, you know I don't know yeah like one of those weird monopoly yeah little games blank checks mm-hmm. just do whatever you oh, want oh yeah like coupons yeah a loyalty ask loyalty one of those coupons. Yeah. yeah yeah one totally. free loyalty ask absolutely like yeah it. but not as president just you know as Trump. We could we could sell that's those for Valentine's idea. Day, mm-hmm. especially yeah. surrounding Flynn, because that's when he. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You can exchange for. <laughs> <laughs> you can exchange the coupons for a Cindy Yang coupon. Oh no, Ooh. no, thank you. Well, I'm all for nice puns. That was all know. consensual, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we've I mean, come down to that. I don't at feel this violated. point, yeah, yeah. I don't okay, know. Cool. Yeah, we don't know yet, but all right, I, we'll I, take that joke with a grain of salt. Hopefully, that joke applies only to consensual sex work. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, top of page 13, Mueller tells us he sought an interview with the president. After more than a year, the president declined to be interviewed because he's so open and transparent more than anyone else. Uh, this is a, There's then a redacted sentence or two for grand jury considerations, and I'm wondering who testified to the grand jury about Trump not agreeing to an interview. Maybe it was Bannon? I don't know. I don't know who's under there. But uh, as we know, the president agreed to written questions, but not about obstruction and not about events during the transition. He really wanted to cover those up. He wouldn't let anybody testify about that either. 
And he got really mad when, when Mueller was able to get all the transition emails, remember? Mm-hmm. And here is where Mueller says that even though he had the authority to subpoena the president, he ultimately decided not to. Mueller says Trump would have fought it. It could have taken far too long, considering he had enough evidence uh, to understand relevant events and to make certain assessments, like he's guilty, mm-hmm. uh, without Trump's testimony. And that right there indicates he had enough evidence to charge him with crimes, but didn't because of the OLC memo. Otherwise, what would that even mean? You don't. You have enough evidence to do what? To <laughs> write a report? Um, so he mm-hmm. says he goes into more detail about this decision in Appendix C at the end of the report. But that was very telling to me when he's like, well, it would take too long and I had enough evidence on Trump. For what? Hmm. What enough evidence to what? Yeah, yeah. Which crime? If you were just, you know, spitballing. What would you need evidence for? Hmm. What did one gather evidence for? I'd like to solve the puzzle. It's like mm, for fun. CR. For funsies. I. Yeah. Crimes. <laughs> Mueller then talks about establishing mens rea in obstruction cases, and that the knowledge can be pr- uh, proved by circumstantial evidence. And he cites relevant case law. What does that mean again? Circumstantial evidence? Uh, I'll tell you here. It means that oh, you don't cool. have to have like an email from the president saying, help me obstruct justice. Uh, you can take his behavior, his pattern of behavior, his consciousness of guilt, circumstantial evidence. Like so a like, smoking gun. A smoking gun is actually literally circumstantial evidence. But circumstantial evidence wasn't enough to establish guilt in the volume one investigation? That's for obstruction. I know. I'm just thinking, so then did circumstantial evidence not apply no, yeah, to what he was investigating? In- correct, because member okay. of mens rea is what they didn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and circumstantial evidence doesn't cover that uh, yes. when, you're, when you're doing that shit. And that's why they, they were missing those key pieces of evidence. In volume one, uh, he also wants to make sure we know that the determinations of intent are frequently reached without an interview. Hinting here that the applicable circumstantial evidence he obtained would be enough to charge Trump without interviewing him, and he goes on to to cite several obstruction. uh, uh, He goes on to cite obstruction case law that supports that assertion. So he's like, I didn't need to interview him uh, because I had enough evidence to I don't know have a party. Um, He then says that credibility judgments can be made based on facts and circumstantial evidence and that standard grand jury instructions include factors for assessing credibility, which include whether a witness has a reason to lie, whether the witness has a good memory, whether the witness has an opportunity to observe the events, whether the witness's testimony was corroborated by others, and whether anything the witness said or wrote contradicts their own previous shit they said or wrote. So sad he couldn't get a testimony by the president. I know, I know. (sighs) I know it's 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 frustrating, but he's saying here that he literally has so much evidence that he could be convicted of crimes that he did not need to interview him for for hopefully, intent. yeah. Because we kept saying that over and over again. We're like, he's got to get to the intent, and you can only do that through an interview. Nope, he's got plenty of evidence without it <laughs> to have a party. But it doesn't mean anything if Congress doesn't take it. Correct, unless. You can use it after he leaves right. office and somebody can run with all this. Yeah. Prosecute. So we wouldn't even need to flip the Senate as long as Trump loses in 2020 to prosecute him. OK, great. Yeah, because at that point, Congress has jack shit to do with his. Yeah. Right the only problem trial. is, is we could get a, a hope and change guy in there who wants to look forward only and not backwards and not prosecute anybody for war crimes. And I'm not really talking about anyone specific at all. Would it wouldn't like a <laughs> wouldn't like a speci- it, it wouldn't be Congress, though, that would be charging him after he's out of office. It would be like a department or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. they'll be yeah. waiting. Ooh, they'll yeah. probably have a countdown but, calendar, but they might not. 
they might say we're going to look forward we're going to unite the country yeah because charging mm. him would only divide the country well no one it's a freaking state dude that's there's already 50 divisions just go for it exactly <laughs> just, oh you're talking about state attorneys yeah. general i'm talking about the the department of justice and sdny mm. okay I mean, but tish will still be likely around so there's that yeah yeah well sorry well, i guess charge him right now, i guess I when i say mm. sdny i feel like there's a public perception that it's very much respective to the state specifically and it's not they don't think of it federally right i don't think people in general think of SDNY, even though technically it has like federal jurisdiction, I don't right, think. but it's mostly about yeah. New York. It's not yeah. Congress. Yeah, you, it's not Congress to, doing it. But you it's have to like draw a thick line between SDNY and the Southern District of Georgia and the Southern District of California between that and the New York Attorney General and the California Attorney General, mm-hmm. because state crimes are pardonable where federal crimes are not, no matter what state uh, district they're tried or, or in whether it's new york or georgia or whatever right if it's part of the department of justice if it's part of the u.s attorney's offices it's part of the department of justice which bill Uh-oh. barr looks at now and state ags can't bring federal crimes oh so tish is under the she's state that's she's okay. state oh, she's attorney state. general good okay okay but she can't bring a federal crime yes cool she can't charge anyone with federal crimes. right but she can do them with state charges which can't be pardoned so that's great if they if they broke state law but okay, he definitely did. Not related so. to this stuff necessarily, yeah, yeah. but Hopefully at some point, no, because these obstruction of justice charges are all federal crimes, right? right. But the other stuff, so it it would have to be an SDNY, yeah, like the yeah, hmm. or DC or something, or yeah, financial so, yeah, stuff. A court akin what about to Cohen? Where and that means that the president would have to instruct and be okay with his uh, the new president. Uh, let's say Elizabeth Warren appoints Kamala Harris as the attorney general. Mm-hmm. They'd all have to be cool with prosecuting. Uh, Trump. Yeah. Well, I'd like I to believe that. that yeah, <laughs> yeah. <I'm> really, yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. Another reason I really that. want her to be the Attorney General. <laughs> I would love that. Yeah. Okay. So otherwise, let's say if Republicans get nominated in 2020, then SDNY conceivably is not going to do it. But New York AG or or like a state AG want that wants to go after him, they can't bring him on federal crimes, but they could bring him on state crimes after he's out of the presidency. Yeah, they actually, can actually I think do they can it bring now. him up on state crimes now because mm. they don't mm-hmm. have the Office of Legal Counsel memo over their head because they're yeah. not part of the Department of Justice. But no one's ever brought charges against state charges mm-hmm. against a president unless it's a civil suit, which she's done several of, but mm-hmm. she's never filed criminal charges. No, I don't think anyone's filed. I don't want to say ever, but it, it's unusual to file state criminal charges against a sitting president or vice president. But there's nothing stopping her. I, yeah. I don't think there was really anything stopping um, the Southern District of New York either. But they do have, but it is Barr, and he has that Office of Legal Counsel memo saying you can indict a sitting president. So, hmm. they, but that doesn't apply to the state. She might need just like real encouragement from the people. She should have like a podcast for her. She like, seems pretty down though, right? Yeah, so she does seem very. She's down. already investigating the shit out of him, and I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if she drops some charges. And the NRA, totally. and then we yeah. have to see how that goes through the courts. Mm-hmm. That'd be interesting. Um, and finally, guys, Mueller defends the use of contemporaneous written notes, <laughs> even though Trump says, no, don't take notes. <laughs> no, but l- legally, feder- uh, contemporaneous written notes are really, really strong um, evidence. A witness's uh, recitation of his account before he had any motive to lie and witnesses' false description of an encounter implying consciousness of wrongdoing. And he cites case law supporting all three of those components as evidence. So, guys, that is it. That is part 10. Woo. You know, first part of volume two. Uh, And we will be back next week uh, getting into the factual breakdown of everything that that went down. Uh, And now that we've had Mueller's testimony, we can integrate that into it, too. So join us for that. I think it'll be fun Thursday nights uh, whenever we get done editing it. (laughs) We don't have a set time, but we'll get it to you shortly. So uh, any final thoughts? 
No, just have a great weekend, guys. Mm-hmm. Word. Yes. All right. I've been AG. I've been Jason Johnson. I've been Jordan Coburn. And we'll see you in Chicago. I mean, this is Muller She Wrote. <laughs> Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by AG with editing and logo design by Jaleesa Johnson. Our marketing consultant and social media manager is Sarah Lee Steiner, and our subscriber and communications director is Jordan Coburn. Fact-checking and research by AG, and research assistance by Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Our merchandising managers are Sarah Lee Steiner and Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com. They might be giants have been on the road for too long. Too long. And they might be giants aren't even sorry. Not even sorry. And audiences like the shows too much. Too much. And now they might be giants are playing their breakthrough album Flood. All of it. And they still have time for other songs. They're fooling around. Who can stop They Might Be Giants and their liberal rock agenda? Who? No one. This ad was paid for with somebody else's money. MSW Media. Hi, I'm Liz Winstead. I'm Moji Alawode Al. And we're the hosts of Feminist Buzzkills, the only weekly podcast that helps you navigate the post row hellscape. We dissect all the news from that sketchy intersection of abortion and misogyny with our guests, the abortion providers and activists working on the ground. Plus, we have amazing comedians to help us laugh through the rage. Feminist Buzzkills drops Fridays wherever you get your pod fix. Listen and subscribe, because when BS is popping, we pop off.